0: Good morning, church. Good morning. This morning, I'd like to remind us that in spite of our current conditions and constraints, God's community, God's church, still has the biblical responsibility to reach out well beyond its church parking lot. But before we get out there, let's uh, go to the Lord and ask him for his blessing on our time together. Lord, in these difficult days, it's easy for us to be self-focused, nearsighted, but Lord, we need to have your vision. We need to be far-sighted, biblically far-sighted, so that we do not miss your community that's well beyond our church parking lot. So, Lord, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes today, and we pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So, how are you at expressing your love for someone? How are you at expressing your love for someone? Personally, I know too often I come up short in this area. And my wife, Jackie, could also add, yeah, Neil's really not the ushy-gushy type, and um, he would even admit that sometimes he has the sensitivity of a brick. Here's an example of that. Jackie and I had only been married a few years when I woke up one morning, and uh, I began to go through my usual routine, uh, make the coffee, mic the bagel, grab the newspaper, and grab some quiet time for myself. But as I made my way through the newspaper, I noticed all these ushy-gushy love notes, and then it hits me. Oh, man, it's Valentine's Day. I forgot Valentine's Day. But as I look back to the newspaper with all these love notes from all these loving and sensitive husbands, I notice the notes are listed in alphabetical order. Darling Anna, Dearest Betty, Sweet Cassidy. And now my mind goes on alert. My eyes race down the page to the J's, and yes, Yes, there it is, my precious Jackie, with a simple love note signed with a generic, thankfully, your loving husband. Now, should I or shouldn't I? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. But only because, had I gotten caught, my wife might have arranged for a new marital status, widowed, but uh, she didn't, thankfully. So how do you sincerely, genuinely, biblically express your love for someone? Well, of course, the Heavenly Father does a pretty good job with John 3.16, doesn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus has done a pretty good job, pretty good example as well. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, this morning I'd like to flesh out that brotherly and sisterly love for one another, that family of God love for one another, and to do so from the Apostle John's third letter. So would you please join me in 3rd John? Now know that the Apostle John writes his first letter to a collection of churches in Asia Minor, while John's second letter is apparently written to a particular church, which he refers to, as the chosen lady, but the Apostle John's third letter is written to an individual, a man named Gaius. Here now the Apostle John's opening greeting to Gaius in verse 1, 3 John. The elder, John speaking of himself, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. These two men love each other in the truth they love one another in biblical truth that is according to the word of god so you can be sure this is a pure love a righteous love a godly agape love between these two men it's a love that comes from god is sustained by god and available to the children of god and the apostle john has already mentioned this love in his first letter when he wrote we only love because god first loved us. God first loved us. But now in verse 2, the Apostle John will begin to reveal that praying for someone is one of the greatest expressions of love we can have for someone. Begin to hear that in verse 2. Dear friend or dear Gaius, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as or just as your soul is getting along well. Now, I don't know about you, but the people I pray for most are the people I love most. And that may be true for you as well. So who do you pray for most often? The Apostle John prays continuously for Gaius. How do I know that? That verb pray in verse 2 is in the present tense, present active tense, meaning continuously. Continuously. But how often do we express that kind of agape love and not just to our own family, but to the family of God by praying continuously for our brothers and sisters in Christ? If prayer is one of the greatest expressions of love, how often do we pray for God's family, even God's extended family around the world? Now as you think about that, let's pause for a moment here to consider what the Apostle John has actually prayed for Gaius in verse two. Hear it again, dear friend, dear Gaius, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as or just as your soul is getting along well. Did you hear it? Good health means good health. And that phrase all may go well with you means that you would prosper in every way. Now that sounds pretty good, right? Sure does. But did you hear the qualifier there in verse 2? That your health, your welfare would match the condition of your soul. That your health and welfare would match the spiritual condition of your heart. Now think about that. Would you want your health and welfare to match the spiritual condition of your soul? If the Apostle John prayed that for you, what would your health and welfare look like? If we applied the Apostle John's prayer to say an 80-year-old grandmother whose soul was on fire for the Lord, might she be able to do cartwheels down the hallway of her nursing home? Or on the other hand, if the Apostle John prayed that for a 20-year-old young man whose soul was godless, empty, void of God, might he suddenly appear weak, feeble, and unable to stand, even stand before God? See, that's the confidence the Apostle John has in Gaius' spiritual condition, that Gaius' health and welfare would match his heart and his soul. But again, would I want someone to pray that for me? Well, some days, okay. Other days, I'm not so sure. Well, now the remaining verses, verses 3 to 8, begin to reveal why the Apostle John has such an agape love and appreciation for Gaius. It's what Gaius and his church family have been doing for the extended family of God. But first we need to note something else. It is Gaius' knowledge of and submission to the truth, to the word of God, that enables and empowers Gaius and his church to do what they are being commended for in verses 3 and 4. Hear that commendation in verses 3 and 4. It gave me great joy when some of the believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy, says the Apostle John, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And the truth is, apart from Christ, Gaius and we can do absolutely nothing of eternal worth. Why? because Christ is truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and he's the life. So the apostle John reminds Gaius and us, it ain't us. <laughs> it is Christ in us who enables us and equips us to walk to live in the truth in God's word. And as we've already heard, this causes the apostle John to overflow with great joy. Again, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. By the way, did you notice that it's not Gaius who's reporting all this wonderful stuff to the Apostle John that he and his church have been doing? No, these reports are getting back to the Apostle John from others. Again, the beginning of verse three. Beginning of verse three, it gave me great joy when some of the believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, Gaius. Reminds me of something my father once said to his boastful son. Neil, if you're really that good, you don't have to brag. People will brag for you. Well, Gaius is that good, that godly, and others are testifying about him. And I can understand uh, the reason for the Apostle John's great joy here. When Jackie and I see our spiritual investment in our children begin to pay off through our prayers, discipling, loving them in the truth, that too brings us great joy So far more important than our children becoming doctors and lawyers, rich and famous, is seeing our children walk and live in the truth of Jesus Christ. Even as a pastor over the years, one of my greatest joys in ministry has been to hear of my former youth group kids serving in ministry or simply raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And just recently, my wife received a a video recording from 20 women who over the years have benefited from her prayers, her teaching of God's word to them. And if those video testimonies brought me joy, I'm sure they brought to my wife great joy. So I wholeheartedly agree with the Apostle John. It gave me great joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And by the way, the Apostle John can refer to these servants as his children because... He was their spiritual father when they were born again, birthed into the family of God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. (laughs) And what a joyous privilege that is, leading someone to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And if the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is our strength, I'm sure it brought the Apostle John and Gaius great strength to press on in the midst of the persecution of that day. So let me ask the question again. How do you express your love for someone? How do you love others? So far, what I've heard from the Apostle John is, one, pray for them regularly. Two, disciple them in the truth. And three, even commend them for their spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Sadly, however, what I've seen over the years is this. When we're young, we spend all our health pursuing wealth, and when we're old, we spend all our wealth pursuing health. (laughs) But the Apostle John has said here, invest personally in the spiritual health of God's family. Pray for them, disciple them, and commend them for loving others and walking in the truth. You know, the Apostle Paul would agree with John. Yeah, do good to all people, but especially the family of God Galatians 6:10 Now verse 5 the apostle John will commend Gaius for loving those beyond his parking lot beyond his local church hear that in verse 5 dear friend dear Gaius you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you The apostle John refers to these strangers as brothers and sisters in Christ members of God's family God's community who are worthy of the gift of hospitality. Yeah, they've come from a distance, come from afar, but they already have a common unity, they have community in Christ Jesus. Consequently, they're family, extended family, but they're family, not first cousins, second cousins, no, they're brothers and sisters in Christ and even to this very day, God's extended family is, is often coming through our churches. Those true believers who come from a distance, come from afar, yet they are family, family, God's extended family. But these Christian strangers are just passing through, just passing through, why? Because they're on a mission. Actually, they're on a great commission from Jesus Christ. You've heard it before. Go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And yes, I will be with you even to the very end of the age. With you to the very end of the age. That says to me that Christ is traveling with them. And according to Matthew chapter 25... When offering these strangers hospitality, even a cup of cold water, it's as though you're offering it to Jesus himself. And we could even label these itinerant strangers apostles, lowercase a, because they've been sent out by God and they are ambassadors for God. But again, they're family and should be treated like family. See, Gaius and his church are being commended for exercising the gift of hospitality to these Christians they don't even know. Here, verses 5 and 6. Dear friend, dear Gaius, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. So please send them on their way in a manner worthy that honors God. Did you hear that? In a manner worthy that honors God. that should call for the red carpet treatment, shouldn't it? Fine china, not fast food, but feast food, along with the best bedding for these itinerants. And I know some of you have housed and hosted missionaries over the years, and you've treated them not just like family, but even like royalty. And in doing so, you were probably rewarded with stories of God's miraculous movements around the world. Not to mention that these strangers, these missionaries, probably even now pray for you on a regular basis. But know that by the end of the first century, this hospitality for itinerant Christians, Christian strangers, became even more necessary. Why? Well, first of all, Christians were being blacklisted, not only to lose their jobs, but also to lose their possessions. Secondly, travel was dangerous in that day. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan, And thirdly, no holiday inns. By the way, first century inns were no holiday. They were filthy, overpriced, overflowing, with godless activity. And even to this very day, we make sure our single female missionaries do not travel alone in certain countries. But back to the first century. Christianity was spreading so rapidly, more and more itinerant evangelists, preachers, missionaries were being sent out. So, is it any wonder God would hold in high regard the gift, the ministry of hospitality. Hear how the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, requires and commends the church at Philippi to honor and care for Epaphroditus, one who went the extra miles for missionary Paul. I'm reading from Philippians chapter two, picking up at verse 25. Verse 25, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother my coworker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, who you sent to take care of my needs. Verse 30, so welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves, Philippians, could not give me. Could not give me. The Apostle Paul even refers to Epaphroditus as a soldier. And rightly so, because these itinerant servants were on the front lines advancing the kingdom of Christ, often in the midst of spiritual warfare. But did you hear again what the Apostle Paul included at the end of verse 30? What you Philippians could not give to me. What you Philippians could not do for me. See, the Apostle Paul was a realist. The Apostle Paul knew not everyone could do what Epaphroditus did as an itinerant servant but the church at Philippi could at least honor, support, and love people like Epaphroditus in that day, and we should also in our day. I'm reminded years ago our church sent out a missionary well-known for advancing missions in other local churches. So not surprising, Tom Telford was nicknamed Mr. Missions. I had the privilege of serving with Tom Telford at Shelton, and I'll not forget one of his quotes. Why be a king when you can be a missionary? Why be a king when you can be a missionary? And maybe it's that very quote that supports why we should treat missionaries, preachers, teachers, evangelists like royalty, like the Apostle John requires in verse six, in a manner worthy of God. And by the way, did you notice that these itinerant strangers believed that God could so care for their needs that they didn't have to depend on unbelievers for their support. Verse 7. It was for the sake of the name. The name of Jesus Christ. That they went out receiving no help from the pagans. From unbelievers. Now think about this. Think about all of this. All the sacrifices these strangers, missionaries made. The lifestyles they forfeited to advance the kingdom of Christ. Which brings to mind a missionary family that Chelton supports and that being the Fosters, the Vosters. To advance the gospel, Tom and Alicia Vosters each gave up lucrative careers and took their sons, their young sons, to live and serve in Cambodia. And why? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 17, I still have sheep who are not yet of this fold. So the Vosters, can I say, were willing to become sheepdogs for Jesus to round up and lead Cambodians to the good Shepherd. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life at the cross, and not just for us, but for Cambodians as well. And that's what these first century Christian strangers are being commended for, and why they should be treated like divine royalty. It's also that for which Gaius and his church are being commended, for loving and supporting these strangers, these missionaries, these evangelists, and these preachers. So let me conclude with this. Wasn't it, isn't it Jesus who was also divine royalty? Wasn't it, isn't it Jesus who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Wasn't it, isn't Jesus all that and more when he too was willing to leave his home in heaven, sacrifice immensely and give his life even unto death to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin at the cross. Divine royalty should get the divine royal treatment. And thankfully, even to this day, when someone is willing to turn to Jesus, the good shepherd, for their salvation, and be led and fed by Jesus, the great shepherd, their sure hope can be Jesus, the chief shepherd, who will one day lead them to his heavenly home. So may we never forget nor neglect to honor, support, and love the itinerant strangers, those who Christ sent out, and those who we should support with the divine royal treatment. Because it's not just about us here in the local church, in the local community. May we never forget nor neglect God's extended family, God's extended community, whether they're around the block or around the world, even as the Apostle John ends with. Verse 8, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth of Jesus Christ. For the truth of Jesus Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name.